Bad Boys Upgrade, Upgrade, Upgrade. Beep, boop, beep, 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 beep. We're the Upgraded Pod Boys. Hello and welcome to the fully upgraded and cool futuristic pod people. I'm back, the STEM dad, Matisse Van Rossum. And I'm here, the Ben, the Ben, the Ben. The Ben! <laughs> Jeez, we, we just turned into radio hosts, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't forget about c- 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 Cleveland Mosier. Wow. Hello, everybody. How's it going? I feel like we actually kind of downgraded there into like Saturday morning zoo radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really an upgrade at all. This is Fleet Floor Ben the Beef. <laughs> <laughs> The worst. <laughs> <Yeah>. Literally the worst. <laughs> but the pod boys are back. I'm back. Did you miss me last week? I missed you, Tease. I missed me too. But this week we're talking Upgrade. It's a movie. It's a pretty fucking cool movie. Yeah. Oh, certainly Robots was. and cyberpunk and all that stuff. But before we get into that movie, I do you think there was something we were talking about last week in regards to Tease when he came back? But somebody safe word, but I can't remember what it was. Do, do, do you remember the safe bet? Do you remember the word? I don't. I, I definitely don't remember oh, the safe okay. word. All right, cool. All right, well, then we're safe, I guess. That's what you think. You think I didn't bug this entire place to hear what you were saying about me uh, while I, I mean, was gone? Did you have to bug it? We were talking into mics and recording all of it. Not live, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you were like running a, a different mic up through your own uh, cybernetic mainframe. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm, right. I'm an upgraded human now. Oh, damn. Well, he got uh, us. He got us. It's too late. Maybe he was using an analog uh, recorder so we couldn't trace it. Yeah, transmitting to my extremely uh, digital uh, anal mic Wait. implant. Isn't an analog recorder just a flute? Analog. Analog? Isn't that just an iPad? Uh, iPod Nano shoved up your butt? <laughs> <laughs> Shit! You're, you're on to me. Well, we watched Upgrade. We yeah. should. It was, uh, it was quite the movie. Um, so this movie came out this year. Uh, directed by Leigh Winnell. Lee Winnell. Written and directed by Lee Leigh Wannell. I think it's Lee Wannell. I don't know. Wannell, Winnell. Wainell. Um, somebody, somebody we've talked about on the show before. Indeed. Um, who uh, has been a longtime collaborator with James Wan. Wrote and starred in uh, the original Saw. Um, wrote, oh, I think, all the Insidious movies. Um, I think he's in them as well. Yeah, he has bit parts in all of them. He's he's one of the paranormal investigator guys. Mixed bag of of a person. Yeah, <laughs> that was well, a weird way to say that. <laughs> but I mean, bag, like a human bag, it, it's problematic. It's it's very hit or misses stuff. You know, like Saw is a legitimately 
fantastic movie. Yeah, Agreed. the original and, Saw is good. Yeah, and as we, as we talked about on my, I think that was my first guest yeah, appearance. Yeah, it was on, on our fourth episode of the show. Um, Damn. but then right after it, he did that movie Dead Silence. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh, with the ventriloquist. Oh no, I I remember that one. Did yeah. Lee Wannell write that one? I know James Wan he, directed that. He one. wrote that one. Yeah, no, that sounds right. That's a shitty fucking movie. Yeah, but yeah, this movie. Uh, must have been his passion project. Or That's what I'm project. thinking too. Because like, I went into this with relatively low expectations. Outside of, I was hoping for like some schlocky action fun. Yeah, uh, which is there. But I was also really surprised how like legitimately quite well executed this movie was. Yeah, same. Loved it. Yeah, no, I think uh, it's extremely well shot. And uh, a little more thought out than a lot of his other movies. Absolutely. Well, especially in, like... The plot's pretty well contained. It doesn't have that problem that a lot of sci-fi movies with, like, has with, like, the ADD, you know? Well, it's a a really simple plot, which is something we've talked about on the show before as being generally a hallmark of good filmmaking, is keeping your plot relatively simple. But what surprised me is how, like kind of smart a lot of the the world building in this was because it is like a sci-fi movie it takes place like way more into the future than i thought it would but it feels like a real lived-in world yeah well that's not unbelievable because it's set in somewhat of the near future yeah um but only like two or three characters have futuristic cars and they all look like batman cars some of the futuristic um, cars are really dumb looking, I will say. Mm-hmm. That was something that got me early, is the future cars kind of look like shit. Yeah. I, and I think that was somewhat intentional. Like, they're supposed to be juxtaposed to his uh, Spitfucker or whatever the name of his car his is. Firebird, yeah. yeah. Well, I, 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 I think... I prefer Spitfucker, I think. I mean, if I was going to own a car, <laughs> I think I think Spitfucker. I, I, I do think also that something that reveals itself about this world as the movie goes on is that, like... The really fancy technology stuff is absolutely reserved for like the the wealthy, mm-hmm. the elite. Yeah, like the the slummier parts of town that we see are not particularly high tech. They're anti tech they, in a lot of ways. So it it sort of makes sense that there's like a divide between like the more recognizable technology and then this like super weird future space stuff that like only rich people have. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that that's you know it's yeah cool. and it's done subtly it's not like it's not going full elysium or anything <laughs> well, well right <laughs> you know very true um, it's but, not it's not a political film at all no it's um, just an aspect that's integrated into the world building right exactly like i said very very simple plot guy gets paralyzed in a in a mugging where his wife is killed by some weird military guys Gets an opportunity to be able to walk again with a hyper intelligent AI you. chip. Yeah, million dollar man kind of deal. Better, faster, stronger. Um, yeah, and then uses his newfound superpowers to seek revenge on the people who killed his wife. Um, so, in that sense, very generic uh, revenge flick. 
Um, kind of reminds me of Crank in a lot of ways. It definitely uh, less, in style. Less, uh, less energetic than, than Crank, but, uh, in the style, absolutely. And the, the same kind of structure of the plot, just like moving from place to place, fucking people up on your way, you know? Um, that, which is something that I appreciated. Yeah, well, we recently started playing Pathfinder, um, and we have a little campaign, and I have to say, it reminds me of, like, a chaotic, neutral Pathfinder campaign. Just a in little that, bit, yeah. you know, it's a lot of crazy shit happening and having to deal with it somehow. Yeah, well, I think it's, you have you have a, a, a chaotic, neutral character interacting with the upgrade, which is a chaotic, evil character. Almost, you know, or, or in some cases, lawful evil. And... That's that I think is like the the key part to this film is it is either neutral or evil and there's very little good <laughs> to be interacted with. I mean, there's a detective character, but apart from that, yeah, like it's very satisfying. You know, like I think where like a lot of the comedy came from. Well, like one of my favorite things is that uh, when he gets this this AI chip uh, from this young eccentric tech billionaire uh, genius kid, he has to sign a non disclosure agreement because technically the these trials are you know they're not legal they're not fda approved mm-hmm. um so he can walk again but anytime he leaves his house he has to pretend to be a quadriplegic so anytime he like goes out and investigates he's just like in his wheelchair which i think is really funny and it sets up for one of the best scenes in the movie when he goes to like the biker bar oh, or yeah, whatever yeah. and he just rolls in there in his wheelchair and just like uh, excuse me and just like addresses the whole crowd is like i heard that one of you might know about who killed my wife so if you were there that night please step forward <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like addressing this whole bar full of hard asses yeah and well and later after he's done with everything he rolls out on his uh chair and then leaves it uh right outside of the the place and some guy's sitting in a wheelchair (laughs) and the main character is like uh watch this for me locks his wheelchair and leaves yeah and then the the guy in the wheelchair is just like oh you faker and then that dude gets up yeah but no there were a lot of really good bits with that faking the quadriplegic stuff well this- especially because like he he like murders the shit out of these people in the bathroom at the biker bar after they try to torture him and then he just rolls back out of the bathroom in his wheelchair and everyone's just like what the fuck and they go in and they see like all these people dead and shit and he just like rolls out <laughs> that that shit is so fucking funny yeah, it's like like quadriplegic by day human cuisinart by night <laughs> exactly this movie has such a dark sense of humor yeah. Yeah. and i think that's one of the best elements of it yeah it's it's everything i wanted the new venom film to be like it's what i was hoping for like just to get the like the legitimately dark moments in there with the comedy like well i haven't seen the new venom personally um but i have heard that there are a lot of similarities between these two did you see the new venom no i didn't i have not yet but oh (laughs) i'm a little I'm, I'm really worried. I really, I'm really worried about seeing it. The PG-13 rating on it kind of, kind of turned me off to the whole thing. But 
I don't know. I'm, I'm still going to see it at some point, but... Yeah, insane. can't say I give much of a shit either way. Yeah. Um, but the guy in this movie does look just like Tom Hardy. Yeah, which true. Which is distracting, because you keep thinking that it's Tom Hardy, and you have to remind yourself that it's not Tom Hardy. It didn't appear to be, like, a discount Tom Hardy to me. I felt like he did a Well, no, I think he's job. I think he's a fine... I think he's a fine actor, and he does, yeah. he does a good job. He just happens to look just like Tom Hardy. He did a great job though i've heard that the new venom is almost an exact copy of like the plot of this movie um to the point where i think there's a lawsuit going on about it i have heard that too but i think this movie succeeds in a lot of ways that i can't imagine venom succeeding yeah. in, and, and, and not even just imagining it but have heard that it does not yeah mm. well having discount tom hardy and tom hardy you know in similar movies does not help no right exactly and generally i'm a huge tom hardy fan too like i'd love to bat for the venom movie but i don't see that happening well sony yeah sony has a real bad track record with their superhero movies so i'd love to see a an r-rated Venom or an unrated cut. Well, that's I'm what sure I was hoping this there. was going to be. Well, that's what so it was. Can... That's what it was shot as, and then mm-hmm. they cut out a bunch of uh, scenes in post to make it PG thirteen. Yeah, so maybe we'll get an unrated version eventually. But tangent. Uh... Yeah, let's. We're <laughs> yeah, uh... we're talking about upgrade. <laughs> it has such a wry, dark sense of humor, and it's really funny. Like the the dialogue he has with Stem is really. Uh, pretty clever for the most part Um, well yeah they they do all the the natural like stems and ai it's very dry it doesn't have a sense of humor but the comedy comes from the timing of the things it says at inappropriate moments uh shit like that all stuff that's been done before but like it's written well enough that it still is funny and it doesn't feel overly cliched um which is something that i appreciated a lot and the pacing is quick enough too that like if anything does fall through you're already on to the next thing and like so it and it it consistently steps up to the bat and swings. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it is pretty pretty quickly paced. Not as action heavy as I was expecting, but the the few times where it does get really actiony are just excellent. Probably the best shot sequences of of the movie. That's when the like really unique camera style sort of kicks in like you have a lot of the camera like staying straight on with his body while he's fighting so like the world around him is shifting um which is a really really fucking cool effect also considering how i'm sure it feels to him because he's not actually in control of his body during those fight scenes it's stem taking over so he's sort of just like on a roller coaster, just like the audience. I think they do a really good job of conveying that to the audience visually. Oh yeah. Yeah, I thought all of that stuff was incredibly done. Yeah. I can only imagine like the elaborate robot arm they had tracking him yeah. through all those shots. Mm-hmm. Just insanity. Yeah. I would love to see what that rig looked like. Yeah, well sometimes it was moving while those right, shots right. were happening too, and it's just like it's so hard yeah. to grasp how they did that. I you know? I would I just all I know is I hope this film isn't the only foray into uh that camera style. I hope we see more of that in other films in the future. Because I think there's a there's a lot of potential with, with that shooting style. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's 
not like this is the first film to have done that kind of stuff, but you you don't see it that often. I think mostly because it, it's it, probably hella expensive. Well, it, it yeah, and it takes a lot of precision to to do stuff like that, which is why you usually only see it utilized in like small moments, but like they are using that kind of shit throughout entire fight scenes in this movie. It can be jarring is the thing. And I think right. it works well because it fits with the robotic, you know, control right, element exactly. of this movie. But I I think it would be tougher to do it for extended lengths and other oh, movies. Oh, f- for sure. You know, yeah, when and- you do get it, stuff like that in other movies, you get it in movies like... Requiem for a Dream, right? Uh, or uh, Angst. Usually, you know? things where there's some sort of like warped perception, usually brought on by drugs or just being crazy. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think you're right. For this film, it works so well because of that like robotic control. Like I was saying, the main character is just along for the ride. He's not in control, so it. The, the fight scenes feel really fluid and they feel like a roller coaster, but also like kind of hard to follow, like the subtleties of the movements, uh, which I think is is intentional because it's like he's not in control of what he's doing. So why should we see why should we feel like he's in control? It has to it has to feel like a like a, a roller coaster or something like that. Yeah. So big, big fan of that. Like good decision making on uh, on Lee Wannell's part. To, yeah. To make those robot fight scenes feel more artificial it, than something like the Terminator, it you definitely know? feels more visceral. Like you're you're mm-hmm. there and participating. Exactly. Almost. Yeah, I really like the the set design as well. Me too. Um, the style of this movie in general was just spot on. For example, uh, the uh, kind of warehouse when he's starting to lose his motor functions. Oh, yeah, when he has um, to go to the hacker. Yeah, when he goes to the hacker's den, that whole area is really... Yeah, like the the glowing like casings on the floor. and Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it, it looked very good. I like the juxtaposition of uh, some of the, the futuristic stuff with the more regular stuff too um like the like the billionaire guy's house like it's not even a house like you just drive up to it it's just like this big stone arch and you walk down these stairs underground and it's all like futuristic and my subterranean facility and when when we first see him he's like playing with a cloud (laughs) it's like what is that thing you're touching he's like it's my cloud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like and then and then you have scenes where like he goes into the first guy's house that he tracks from like the tattoo on his wrist uh, and he goes into that dude's house and it's just like a normal house. Yeah, um yeah. the the juxtaposition between that stuff yeah, is for the first robot bike sequence. is really nice. I do think it's it's interesting how like all of the really futuristic seeming locations just don't have windows like in the future does nobody want to have like natural light like everything is just a bunker. I feel like that's such like a sci-fi trope like fuck windows. I don't understand it cuz that's 
Because yes. for every window, you have to have a green screen behind it, and you have to, like, simulate the city behind. Like, not not even. You can just have light shining in from outside those windows. That's how they did it in Blade Runner, and, and that's how that's they've true. done it well, in a lot of other things. Yeah, they did yeah, warehouse you, sequence. We, so you get it in the movie. Like, you get that in uh, the bar Well, no, it's, it's, well, obviously, and... it's obviously stylistic decisions. I'm just wondering why it's such a sci-fi thing that people just don't want to have windows in their houses. Oh, future shit. Future shit. It, you know it's i don't have a problem with it in the movie it's just me speculating on why people don't like windows that's confusing no, to I, me. I, I can track that and I, I agree with it oh one thing i want to talk about in terms of pacing going back to that for a second um what do you guys think of the first like 20 minutes <sighs> it, it's a slow start it. to say the least it took it took a little while to sell me on it honestly to the point yeah, where we you guys weren't sure whether it was a horror movie i know cleveland you were like i don't know if this is a horror movie i still don't know if it's a horror movie i think it's i think it does become a horror movie later i think it takes a while my problem with the with the beginning is not so much uh not setting it up as a horror film but just that i I think that the way that they ease you into this futuristic world is a little bit clumsy and the way they sort of ease you into the characters. Um, like I did not like the main character very much in the first 20 or so minutes. I found him obnoxious and his wife. Uh, so I was, I was not really sold on any of that. It really started to pick up for me once he got paralyzed and was in the hospital and then like got the the stem transplant and everything. Mm-hmm. Then it, it totally sold me and I got to know him better as a character and I started to enjoy him more. So you're saying that like you, you started to relate with him uh once he was dead inside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I hear you. I hear that. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't all too bothered with the opening stuff. It starts kind of slow, but I think it kind of works in its favor because the escalation is unexpected. More unexpected because of it. I mean, I don't I don't think my problem with it comes from slow pacing. I don't even think it starts particularly slow. I just think it starts clumsily. Um, I, I do think the escalation is good, but it's like starting, uh, a 500 meter dash where you kind of trip right out of the gate and then you refine your footing and gain your momentum and finish strong. Like, that's what I think this movie does. I, I don't, I don't really fault it, but I, I will say that it took me about 20 minutes before I started to enjoy the movie. Could I get some key examples of trips? I think how heavy-handedly they set up the husband and wife's relationship. Mm. Like, oh, he's old school. He rebuilds cars with his hands. He's not real into the whole futuristic thing. He doesn't like technology. But she works for one of the biggest computer companies on the planet. And she's an important businesswoman. And she teases him because he doesn't like technology. But, oh, now he's paralyzed, and now he has to rely on technology. That shit, I thought, was all too heavy-handed, and it just bothered me. Yeah. And especially, like, having them go to the billionaire's house because he just fixed up a, a car, a vintage car for him. And she's like, oh, you're so-and-so. You're the... You're the owner of one of our rival companies. I hope our company can be just like yours someday. Yeah. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's it's that 
you you get the world and periphery during those open sequences uh, or during the opening sequences and you I, I was thinking like oh man i i know that right outside those doors is is blade runner i i know that like the cool sci-fi world is right there and i'm having to like listen to these normal fuckers talk <laughs> for a little bit it yeah. is a little exposition dumpy mm-hmm. um yeah but I think I think it's just that those it, characters were very normal, and we were kind of expecting like something. Like, it very... does set up a lot for the rest of the movie. I, it is a little heavy-handed and dumpy, like I said. You I know? agree. It sets stuff but, up that has payoff. I, I'm not saying that the payoff is done badly, but I I do think the setup is a little bit clumsy, yeah. and and could have been done a little bit uh, in a way that I think would have immersed you into the story a little easier yeah i don't i don't think it trips i think it shuffles it's it's not like it's not a full trip like it stumbles a little bit like it has those first couple of steps where its footing is not right on i think but But then after that it breaks out into a full-blown dance like super well choreographed well that's just a totally different analogy then um But no, uh, ultimately, like I think, I think all the payoff works really fucking well, and I do start to enjoy uh, the the character, uh, the main character, more once we get to spend a little bit more time with him. And also, he has like development as a character, going from being hopeless to you know having a purpose again once he can you know walk and move his limbs and shit. You know that stuff's all really good, and it all you know, pays off really neatly and nicely. I just think it could be a little, little stronger working its way up to that, but overall, not a, not a huge deal. I can dig it. I I like the way they kind of set up the idea of technology doing things that humans can't and there being an innate thing, you know, that humans, only humans can truly do and understand. Agency. Yeah, agency. Right. There's a strong theme of agency. Like, the uh, he he mentions it directly at the beginning when the well, right when STEM is first introduced. They really play that stuff up um, in a lot of ways. You know, it that's the theme of the film. You know, but I but I think they but I think they ultimately go against that at the at the very end. I because I think by the end of the movie, it's very clear that technology can do everything that people can do i think that's kind of the point of the ending of the movie is not a happy ending yeah. you know well i think Somewhat. i think it, it, it yeah i think this film's message i'm not saying whether i agree with it or not but, but i think this film's message is that it can well, do right, everything talking... other than be a like other than be a human and because it the stem itself is a sociopath yeah, like it can it's a do psychotic everything murder except morality. Yeah, except be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's it. But otherwise, mm. it it can do everything. Yeah. Ultimately, the 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 good uh, morality of man does not triumph in this movie. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, they set up computers and technology as something that does not have morals at all. Right. It's purely pragmatic and it's kind of shows the danger of that which i really like in science fiction um because half the time when you get movies about technology and robots and stuff they're fairly good you know passive characters right something like her yeah you get her where even when they kind of transcend they're not antagonistic 
Right. Um, and they have a strong sense of morality. And it's you a, could argue that that's more realistic since people are making technology, but... Right, but also, like, how do you begin to teach empathy to a machine? Exactly. Know? Like, you know, that. that two is, sides of the coin. That, exactly. It's like, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very hard when the, the way you're building a consciousness is a stream of letters and numbers when it's code. How do you code empathy? How do you code morality? So I, I in, in that sense, I think that films like Upgrade are potentially more realistic because it's like, well, if you did make a super smart AI, uh, odds are it would probably turn out like this one, like this sociopathic murder monster. Yeah, well, and it almost had purely kind of self-serving, a, yeah. a black mirror type of thing where it's right. about, in a way, the unintentional, unintended consequences of technology. Right. Well, or you even know. when you even when you look at something like Ex Machina, where by the end of that, the AI copies empathy in order to manipulate uh Domino Gleason but does not truly possess empathy you know she pretends to care about him in order to get him to do to help her escape but then she ultimately leaves him behind cuz she doesn't care cuz she's still a machine you know i i think that, that that kind of stuff is uh poignant in in a sense it's maybe a little bit nihilistic and cynical but i think it's uh important to consider in the age of technology that we're in like the ways that creating ai could be very very bad <laughs> well that's that's the funny thing because it in a lot of ways i saw a lot of comparisons when watching this to robocop yeah um, no absolutely you know, no, in real. structure in kind of themes but i think robocop is much less nihilistic than this movie well yeah because robocop is literally robot jesus well yeah exactly <laughs> so like he is a savior so it is indeed much much less nihilistic but also like robocop is is you know he's rebuilt from a human he's not totally built from scratch that's what makes him uh better than the the Ed 209 Ed 209 because oh, yeah. that's completely artificial and ha lacks the human component that mm -hmm. RoboCop has which is funny because in this film uh we had the the Ned Flanders villain uh, who I like to call Ned 209 Ned 209 um, uh, <laughs> actually held similar principles while he was still made of of human he believed that he had ascended and that right. he was superior because of his uh because he had given in in many ways he had that, he that had become to be parallel to ed 209 he became one of the upgraded yeah he even tells the our protagonist like i i didn't you know i didn't kill your wife i didn't paralyze you i gave you a way into my race can we talk about him for a minute absolutely because he in one scene at the bar he kills a man by, by sneezing. sneezing. By sneezing nanobots into his face. That was awesome. It was the most it was the most extra it was the most extra dumbest shit 
but it was it was amazing it was the fakest sneeze too just like hachoo and then we got like the zoom in on all of like the little microscopic robots with their little blade tentacles and they go up the dude's nose that was the most extra thing about this movie (laughs) it was very funny though and i we should also mention that pretty much all of the bad guys have augmented guns within their arms oh, just implanted in their arms I, I yeah and there's like right a... now, man, and i know you're setting me up because i said it during the movie and uh <laughs> i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it anyway i know all right I know, no okay. say it no all say right, it. Right, so on here, record. all right well all right so i will i will pry by by tisa's response to what i said first because because no, 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 no 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 and uh no you you but say what you said first well, say what you said well, first. well i mean okay but like if you have a gun in your arm then where's the rest of the muscle is it was was my bit because because you need those to make your arm be an arm that was all I mean, and that's what he was worried about. I mean, <laughs> in this movie, I, that's what was. I mean, that's not what was worried about it. That's I just what was, it was too, the point to bring up. But that's what was too unbelievable be, for him. I mean, again, the muscles I'll, be around the gun. Well, yeah, then you'd have a bigger arm. But they had normal sized human arms. <laughs> what if they replaced? Can I, can I just, what if they replaced the? What if bone? they replaced one of the bones with a gun? You have two bones in your forearm. That's what I'm saying. What if they replaced one of them with the gun barrel? Because the the opening was in the palm here. And then, like, your your muscles just kind of attached to the barrel? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's, literally there a hole, there's literally a hole in the bicep where they put bullets into their arm. <laughs> <laughs> another question is... I wish you could the look how, on Tisa's face Another right Another <laughs> question is, if they, if they put the bullets into their upper arm and the, the barrel is down here... How do they bend their arm? Where do those bullets go? That's another well, question. Well, geez, it's the same way that the warp drive <laughs> just, works on the on, does, on, on, on the uh, on the start the Star Trek machine. It's it, it all works the how same does, way. How does Ned two hundred nine like, sneeze nanobots? <laughs> like how how does yeah, uh, how how does not Tom Hardy attach a little chip to his spinal column and it can control every I, part of his body? Okay, they, they never show it, but I just assume that every time they need to reload their arm guns, they just like flex, flex the bicep. I was I was really hoping hoping that one of them would do the the Roman reigns and and cock the fist before they uh, before I mean, they fired. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I have like images in my sketchbooks of like finger guns and that kind of shit. Like I love it. I just think it's fu- a fun question to ask. I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm very glad it's in the movie and I, it's not an, no, an it's, actual critique. It's very cool. I just thought it was funny that like how all the other crazy like unbelievable sci-fi Which I was shit that also had noting and I could talk about the, the nanobots in the nose too <laughs> and critique that if you it's want. just that like no 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 it's fine I just thought it was funny that that was the one thing that you chose to like <laughs> fixate on that like didn't make sense to you out of all of the other I, I would have just shit. liked to I see them have a funny. beefier gun arm and a normal sized regular arm Oh, that would be cool. So it looks That's, like yeah. so it looks like they jerk off really like with one arm yeah. really vigorously. Yeah, they they really uh, work their gun a just lot. Just have just have like yeah. one big gun arm and yeah. another small arm, like a trogdorg. That's what I always that's what I always do when I create my wrestling characters in two K is I always give them one really big beefy arm and one really small weak arm. Oh, yeah, like a T Rex arm on one side. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No. 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 That's it's, what I wanted. That's well, it, I wanted, it makes yeah. it makes the big beefy arm more intimidating when the other arm looks exactly. Big. It makes your gun arm scary. Or if it's bigger, yeah. that um, is true. You got more gun in your arm. 
That, no, that's very true. Yeah. It checks out. I mean. Also, like, when they fired that gun, like, the inside of the barrel in their arm would be, like, so hot. hot. It would yeah. be so hot. Oh, your, your arm would just melt off and after no, it, a few it, shots. it for sure would. Like, like arm. It's like a 12-gauge arm guns. Arm guns are just not feasible, but. In, Man, in they look cool. Hey, but future cool. shit, cool. arm guns. That future shit, arm guns. You know, that's that's what it means to be truly upgraded. To be able to fire a bullet out of your arm without your arm melting. Yeah. One of my favorite fight sequences in this movie is between Ed to uh, Ned two oh nine. Yep. And, uh, and not Tom Hardy. Tom. Yeah, Tom Hardy. Not Tom Hardy. Discount Tom, Tom Hardy. No, 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 no. Tom Hardly. Oh, oh okay, it. yes. That's God. it. No, that's, that's the, the one. one. That's the one. That is the one. Tom Hardly. Um, <laughs> when they're fighting, uh, they're both doing the most stiff robotic fight I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Well, I, I also love how, like, once he's implanted with STEM, uh, Tom Hardly like moves slightly artificially as well like it's not super apparent but it's like all of his movements have like a kind of stiff precision to them like he always keeps his back really straight because like a robot in charge of all that stuff so i i agree i loved that their fight scene was also like super stiff it reminded me a lot of like the gun kata stuff in equilibrium yeah yeah very blocky the very blocky like Knowing where your opponent exactly where your opponent's strikes are gonna land, so you can perfectly move into those immediately those immediate blocking positions. Um, it looks corny as fuck, but it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it it's works great. because I love movie it. I love is... Equilibrium too. I think Equilibrium's a better movie than The Matrix, and I'll stand by that. <laughs> I can stand by that. I still don't know if it's a good. Movie. It's fucking stupid, but it's oh, yeah. great. But, I love Equilibrium. Uh, it's dumb as shit. Yeah. It's very corny in this movie, but it works because of that wry sense of humor and, and the, the movie and the, in general. And the camera is, and the camera movement. Yeah, the, the camera movement helps as well. And also, just like that, the the setting of the room they're in with the, like the green and purple neons like shining from outside the the window. Yeah, that whole scene was awesome. I I did also love how. Uh, Ned 209 uh, tried to sneeze on him at one point, and Stem was just like, nanobots incoming, do something. And he goes... <gasps> so, no, Tom Hardly headbutts him. He, he, as, oh, as, he's, he? as he's inhaling uh. to sneeze, Tom Hardly just headbutts him, because their heads are both like on the table right next to each other. Yeah, Loved nice that. Thing. I was hoping they would do something like that, because I'm like, they set up the, the sneezing nanobots, and... If they had not addressed that at all for the rest of the movie and he'd never tried to use it again, I would be like, what the fuck was the point of that? <laughs> awesome. Oh, awesome. God. Well, should we get into the uh, the the bait and switch twist and then the real twist at the end? One thing I want to talk about before we get into that, because I do have a lot to say about that. Yeah, same. But I want to highlight the score Oh fuck movie. yeah! Actually, yeah. I I looked up the guy who did it. Uh, I think his name is uh, fuck. It's um, a good name. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great name. Jed something. Jed fuck. Jed fuck. Jed Palmer. Um, I looked him up. Have never seen a single other thing he's done. Mm-hmm. He's been a sound editor and a sound designer on a lot of films. Still, nothing I've seen before. But I was blown away by the score. That's the thing. It's very minimal synth. For a lot yeah. of it, and it's very 
mechanical sounds. It's and industrial. Stuff. And yeah. it's dark too. Like it it wouldn't have felt out of place in in like Deus Ex or something, you know, that kind of like dark sci-fi universe. Like it it was very fitting, I think. Grim sounding. And like you said, industrial ambient, uh fucking awesome it was super well done i was really impressed by it but yeah let's get into the end yeah because the end is in my opinion when this movie really goes full-on horror i yeah i i agree um and i will also admit that the movie successfully bait and switched me to the to the point that made me feel like a fool a little bit because it's first revealed that the guys who killed his wife and incapacitated him were working for somebody who paid them and surprise it's the the young billionaire guy who implanted him with stem like was telegraphed the entire movie. So I was like, oh yeah, like big surprise, big twist there, guys. You really got us with that one. Very self-congratulatory. And uh, then they fucking bait and switched it again. And it turns out that Stem was the evil mastermind all along. Stem was the jigsaw of Stem was the jigsaw of upgrade. Stem was controlling the little billionaire kid. uh, And wanted a a pure unaugmented human form that is the the next step in his evolution he had achieved everything he could as an ai so now he needed to be human so he set up this situation for him to be implanted in tom hardly he he missed out on the real tom hardy so he had to settle for tom he was already venomed he was already venomed Yeah. yeah yeah i think they had a couple of key moments that helped set up the fact that it was stem one that i i caught on to uh where it had me kind of wondering about that was during the chase sequence where tom hardly is uh speeding away from the detective and stem takes control of another autocrat's uh vehicle right and I, and that's that's where i i, I kind of keyed into that um i was like oh if stem is capable of that like from the beginning then well, like, see- he's, he's involved in the process like if he if, if he's capable of what also got Tom Hardly at the beginning, it's like, right oh, when well, their car then yeah malfunctioned. That one fooled me because when I saw that, I thought he's doing the same thing the people that did that to him and his wife did, and it was kind of his transformation into a villain. You saw it as a the... plot development. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I would I would agree with that, but but also like Tom Hardly's character didn't have any say over that, and we already at that point. It was well established that Stem was a sociopath. I guess the reason that, that that part didn't get me was because I just always assumed from the beginning that that the the tech billionaire was the one behind the whole thing. Yeah. So I assumed that he I assumed that he had just hacked into uh Tom Hardley and his wife's car at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, and he established like when he introduces STEM that like, Oh, STEM can talk to anything that, you know, has a signal. So that's why when I, when it did that, I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's an mm-hmm. AI. It can get into yeah. other systems. And, and yeah, following along that same, that same thought, like if, if the, the young billionaire character, if he could hack that car, you know, he, he would do it through the same technology he used to build STEM. Right. So either one is still, believable at that point in the film it's true well the i i guess what i'll say is that i i didn't 
give this movie the credit of being smart enough to not just have the billionaire be the villain the whole time. Yeah, this movie... Because it seemed... That seemed like the most obvious thing to do, and this movie is so kind of, like, lighthearted and schlocky in some of its action that I guess I just didn't really think that it was... Uh, like a, a more intelligent story but then by the end it i think it does reveal that it is and that's when i'll agree with ben that that's when it really starts getting into the horror stuff when stem is basically just like you you deleted my guard protocols i don't have to have your permission to take hold of your body anymore like I'm doing what I'm doing in for my own self-preservation. And he's just and he's a prisoner in his own body as his body is killing people ruthlessly. Uh I I think that that's when it gets into into true horror territory. 100%. That loss of agency and autonomy really uh emphasizes the the horror uh, and the fact that of, he's like experiencing his body doing these things too, mm-hmm. like he's feeling everything, he's just not in control of it. It's it's like being possessed, you know. I so in that way, yeah, I think it's I I think there definitely is a horror film here. It's it's not purely horror. It's very much action sci-fi, touch of dark comedy, uh touch of dark comedy. And also like when it gets to the very end and we see that uh that the billion, the tech billionaire was just a, a, a pawn of stems the entire time. And now stem is coming to kill him because he's the only one who could create another stem. We should talk about that reveal, by the way, because I think it being switched us really well, but it, it does open up a pretty. Sig- a, it did get a little sloppy. It it opens it. it opens up a significant plot hole in yep. the movie. First off, can we talk about how Stem was controlling the billionaire at all? I don't think it was physically controlling him, not his body, but he says, like, I haven't been in charge of my company for a long time. I've been working for somebody much higher than me, STEM. So, like, even though so he was... was a- it an ideological thing? Yes. I No, I think that... Stem literally infiltrated his company, started pulling the strings, and at that point, he could basically blackmail the dude into doing anything he yeah. wanted but, to. And I also, but because I, I he, think he, he did t- also see it as like an ideological thing. Like I, I, he was he was of that same camp of seeing. Stem I mean, as like for, a higher being. for a while, to an extent, until he then wants to kill Stem and in an act of his own self-preservation. Like, he doesn't let himself be killed. Like, he tries to fight it. So I, I don't think it's purely ideological. Uh, I, I think it's probably a combination of both. I think he was creating something that he truly considered a higher being, but once it started taking over his life and blackmailing him, then it became less ideological and more yeah. survival. Yeah, I, I just saw it as... It wasn't blackmailing him, but it was convincing him to say these things. I mean, that's also possible. We don't... It doesn't... But... The film doesn't show us. But when the things do happen, he does have the autonomy to, you know, try to stop it. And he does try to stop Stan. I mean, I suppose so, uh, kind of, but, you know, also at the same time, like, when Stem is in control of 
everything that he has control of as well. Like, what can he really do? So I think that for the most part, he was doing free, freely doing Stem's bidding because he knew the alternative was ruin for him I, or or death. Maybe I I just think. There's a huge magnitude of difference between being controlled like our main character was and being controlled like the billionaire was, you know? I mean, no, there there definitely is a difference, but they were both being controlled. I think the, the main difference is that our main character had a sense of morals to to try to fight the control but was unable to because it was literally hardwired into his body, whereas the tech billionaire was not strong enough to to really fight back using the things he had to his advantage. I don't know. They they don't really explore too deeply into that. It's kind of a last minute reveal. Well, I mean, you could you could assume that he was doing it to try to ascend. I guess because the Ned two hundred nine character yeah talks about ascending well, or whatnot. The billionaire did have an implant. Did have a did have a stem implant. Not, I, he didn't have a stem implant because it's established that there's only the one stem implant. He had eye augmentations. Yeah, he had. Oh, he had some, he, did he have just like an actual earpiece? Yeah, he had. Yeah. He had an earpiece in his head. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Orders. Sorry, because yeah. I, I remember like he he did have. Stem speak to him, but it's just right. But no, it was it was through the, it was through the earpiece. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. But there, no, it's made clear that there's only the one stem because that stem. That's why Stem wants to kill the billionaire because he doesn't want him to create others like him. He wants to be the only one. Even though Ned two hundred nine was kind of like him. Uh, well, I mean, but... he was heavily he was heavily augmented, but I think he was still fully in control of everything his body was doing. I don't think there was a there was an AI controlling him at all. No, yeah, yeah, he, yeah he was stem, no, no, he didn't have a stem. There was only one stem. I guess that's true. He was just very augmented. He was just really heavily augmented and had military training and was enhanced by computers. So, but he wasn't he wasn't being controlled by an AI. But I I guess the the plot hole that I wanted to mention that something that I didn't even realize until well after we we watched the movie was that if Stem was in control the entire time, at one point he has Tom Hardly go to this hacker character to disable the uh, guard commands or the guard or command guards whatever the command guards that were on him that enabled him to uh control tom hardley's body autonomously without permission and if he was the mastermind of the whole thing and set up the whole thing then he would absolutely have not had uh the billionaire install guard commands on there or command guards or whatever the reveal that he's the mastermind the whole time i think renders the entire hacker subplot completely irrelevant to the story but still a fun enough segment in and of itself that i don't really have a problem with it yeah, yeah no i'm inclined to agree I i'm still not 100% sure how much of a plot hole it is because uh, it could be one of those things where he made it with guards before Stem got that 
level of consciousness to the point where he's blackmailing. Well, right, but Stem was obviously aware the entire time that he that the command guards were there. So he would have, if he were blackmailing the guy before he put him in Tom Hardley's body, he certainly would have made him remove those command guards. But yet again, was he blackmailing or was he just telling him to do this to get a body because it's like but it's then more that, of a complicit thing than a blackmail thing but i mean what's what's in that for the for the the tech billionaire why would he do that of his own free will he's not ideologically gaining, he's not gaining anything from that i mean it's he, an he, ideological thing that he uh it's it's established implanted that, in anyone's body to begin with it's established that that stem existed before he created the actual chip to implant in somebody's body yeah. he did that on stem's orders because stem wanted to have a human form so stem existed and was in charge of this guy before this point so all i'm saying is that i don't think stem would have allowed itself to be implanted in a body with those kind of command guards I think the only reason that that is in the movie is to make you think that Stem is not the villain. That he's doing that to try to help Tom Hardly out. So he can fight, so he can get revenge on his wife's Yeah, I just thought more of uh, Stem was telling him what to do without forcing his hand. Much like early in the movie, Stem was telling Tom Hardly what to do before he took control. I mean, I, I suppose, I suppose that's true. I just, and also possible. I just, I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that, uh, like an artificial, a perfect artificial intelligence would enact a plan like this with such, uh, safeguards in place. I just have a hard time believing that, uh, in the context of like what the AI is supposed to be by the end of it, this sort of all powerful, like computer deity. I I just don't think that that makes a lot of sense, but you know, like I said, it's something that I didn't even think about until the movie was over. So it, it, it obviously didn't hamper my enjoyment of the film. I just think that it, is a plot hole. You can do with that what you want, I guess. If if you're the kind of person who's who really really hates plot holes, then... I think more than anything, it's just that that last reveal is a little sloppily executed. Yeah. So it it raises more questions. I mean, than yeah, it for answers. for sure. That's that's also a part of it. Like well, whether maybe they'll get to it in the sequel. You think we'll get an upgrade sequel? I don't know. I I really don't. I, I, I hope, hope I hope not honestly. Uh, yeah, I hope I, not. I can't imagine what they would do. I doubt I doubt it would be good, but I'm I'm still open to it. I, I like I like I the way it could be, but it probably wouldn't be. I like the way this movie ends uh in that it definitely does not have any sort of happy ending. No. Where Tom Hardly tries to keep Stem from killing the detective and he fights Stem so hard that his mind breaks. And Stem just like puts what remains of his mind in like an in an artificially created world where his wife is still alive. Well, the yeah. way they do that is really well done because it's yet another fake out. Um, in that he uh, is fighting Stem the whole time, and he brings himself to pull the gun 
basically to his head. It puts it to his neck where yeah. the stem implant is. And yeah. you hear like almost a gunshot sound. And then he wakes up in the hospital. Right. And uh, he can move. And his wife is there. I I was worried for a split second. I was second terrified it was going to be a dream sequence. That it is just a dream sequence. The whole sequence. thing was just a dream. I was um, I was terrified of that. Yeah. I would have been really pissed off. I uh I think they set it up really nicely as well because you get those earlier sequences where Tom Hardley is just struggling to stay awake. Finally, Stem lets him sleep, and during that dream sequence, uh, or in post, and, he, and during that dreaming, he he sees his wife and he wakes up again. He says, "Well, that felt very real." And also there's right. the dialogue during the hacker sequence where you see the people in the background in VR. And I love this little note. And that's that uh, Tom Hardly makes a mention to the hacker character, like uh, sort of asking what those people are doing. And he, he mentions that, oh, well, just doing VR all the time sounds god awful. And it's really unfortunate because that's what ends up happening to his character. He's, right. he's just trapped in VR. Well, the, But and, in, in many ways, it's still better than the world that's outside. Well, and that's exactly what the hacker says. The hacker says, because sometimes mm-hmm. the real world is worse. And that is literally what happens to him. Like, Stem tucks him away into VR, in, into basically the Matrix. He's put into the Matrix at the end, and Stem has complete control of his body, shoots the the police detective, has already killed the tech billionaire, walks out, and now is free amongst the rest of us. You know that's funny? That actually kind of validates like a huge plot hole I've always seen in the Matrix, which is humans would make terrible batteries. It, well, they make, they would, yeah. yeah that's but, yeah. just scientific fact. Yeah, but we don't it, put out much electricity yeah, at all. But it does it does kind of validate the concept of the Matrix, though, like being tucked away and just letting a robot utilize your body, right? You know, but, uh, but not just as just not as a battery, but, but as like but a, smarter than than the Matrix yeah. in, in every way. Yes, it's <laughs> the same. It's the same kind of concept. The ending is like this weird mashup of like the Matrix and Ex Machina because it ends just like Ex Machina. With the the AI <gasps> being maybe it's being in the same free. world. Maybe they get together. Oh, are you, are you shipping? Yes. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. shipping Ava and Stem. I am shipping Ava and Stem. You heard it here first. Stava is is the new celebrity couple. I'm I'm all. <laughs> the new, I am hashtag Team Stava. Our new our new dystopian AI overlords. Oh, Stava. And they are, but they're so cute. Oh man, I would just I would let them just Alicia Vikander and Tom Hardly. Yes. Just asking for some DeviantArt fan. I'll go make it. I'm on it, boys. Right. <laughs> Good. Well, is it time to rate, guys? I think so. You can start. Okay. Um, yeah, overall, I was very, very pleasantly surprised with this movie. I expected to have a fun time. I did not expect how uh, really well executed this premise was and how well the world is built and the acting is solid across the board. Cinematography is masterful. The score is great. Yeah, my only minor gripes are, you know, the the little bit of uh, clumsiness at the beginning and, you know, maybe that, that plot hole, but, like, doesn't really uh hamper my enjoyment of the film at all uh, i'm gonna give it a strong four out of five pods like this movie a lot cleadman yeah um uh i i agree with all those things uh, uh i was saying to myself earlier like if i saw that plot hole uh like if i was if i was like producing or, or you know in like a higher position of this film and i saw that plot hole i wouldn't have minded it or been bothered by it and would just like have green lighting so i have i have no qualms with with anything i felt this movie could have you know could be looked at as having done wrong. 
Uh, and hell yeah. Hell yeah. Those fight sequences are fucking rad. Uh, just loved it. Lo- loved everything. The, the dialogue, um, apart from, like, some fumbles at the beginning, like, the, the dialogue lands well uh, the majority of the time in this film. It uh, kept catching me off guard, and I was, I was giggling a lot. It's got a lot, the film got a lot of great reactions out of me. A lot of the kill sequences too, like at the end of fights. It's really scenes. gory stuff. Very talk yeah. about visceral. That. Yeah, loved it. Um, a lot of live effects with that too. Very uh, like saw inspired. Yeah, like death kill sequences. Um, which is always great. I I I I, I tend to enjoy action sequences with a real visceral payoff. Um, because I was raised on Mortal Kombat. Uh, and those were some real good finishes. Fatality. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. So. No, I'm going to say, like, uh, fucking hell, yeah, like, four, we'll do four, you'll do point five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it, it, it's, it's not, like, a, a Casablanca to me or anything like that, but, like, it's, it's fucking great, and it, I'll be watching it again, for sure. Yeah, it's, same. It's a great movie. Yeah, well, uh, not to repeat you guys too much, I think besides, you know, the little bit of exposition dumpiness at the very beginning, and kind of a little bit of sloppiness with the reveal at the end. This movie basically perfectly executed what it set out to do. And that is make a, you know, very wryly dark action comedy horror movie that works in all three of those categories really well in their own ways. Um, this movie had some of the coolest action sequences I've seen all year. Really inventive camera work and style. And uh, the choreography, while corny, worked because it was corny um, a lot of times. Uh, because the robotic stuff and whatnot. Um, the comedy worked because it's just so dark and out there and, you know, situationally funny. And the horror really works in that last sequence where he's losing his autonomy, which I thought was fantastic. The music is great. The sets are great. I thought the acting was really good. Um, Georgina from Get Out um, yeah, does a great she's job. Detective. She's made an appearance detective. in a lot of the movies we've talked about this year. Yeah, she I don't know in, if you've noticed that. Uh, she's in Get Out. She's in The Purge uh, election year. She's in Unfriended Dark Web. Uh, and now this, mm-hmm. is there anything I'm missing? Um, she may be our most watched actor of the year so far. Yeah, no, but she did a great job as well. She's I, a pretty small part though. I think this movie, besides those few minor qualms is nearly perfect. So I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five as well. Well, that will give, uh, upgrade a strong 4.3 out of five pods overall check it out that's a recommendation and you can put that in your pocket one thing i did want to note uh is uh also a comparative to altered carbon which i think also came out this year yeah Um, i watched the first two or three episodes of that um i i think this film captured a lot of elements that i wanted to see better told in altered carbon um i'm probably gonna piss a lot of people off on that i know altered carbon was pretty well received but I had some qualms with it, to be sure. Of course, I love Poe. Everyone loves Poe. But anyway, I digress. But uh, where where Altered Carbon kind of struggled to uh, show the existential crisis of having your body out of place, this film succeeded. 
Yeah, I I agree. I see a lot of the same ideas there. I only saw the first like three episodes of Altered Carbon and didn't really go on from there. I liked the aesthetic more than anything else. I can't say mm-hmm. that I was terribly captured mm-hmm. by the story. Yeah, but even then, like the aesthetic is so haphazard and altered. In Carbon. a lot it's, of it's ways, it is. Yeah, it is all it, over the place. It just doesn't know what it wants to be. I think like it tries to be Blade Runner, but it by no means is anywhere near as aesthetically on point. Right. Whereas the upgrade it has those elements but it it keeps to its own very well it's always very gritty and it and it stays uh, it, it stays upgrade it feels like a more believable future than altered carbon yeah as well. or or even blade or runner. even blade runner. Like, well yeah altered uh, i mean compared yeah. to, to compared to altered carbon like altered carbon is much more artificial it's much more grandiose than even blade runner blade runner is fairly gritty sure. and believable so yeah, I did. I did want to bring up that comparison. That's all. I had on Definitely it. one of the best cyberpunk movies I've ever seen. Upgrade. It's I gotta charts. say, you know, yeah. like no, it's it's a great one. You don't see a, too many cyberpunk movies besides you know Blade Runner mm-hmm. and whatnot. But That's... I think this movie does it really well. Yeah, and it's it's in my favorite genre. So I was I was looking to be pretty critical of this. I mean, you know, Blade Runner, they're both the original and twenty forty nine are two of my favorite films, and uh, I was. Not expecting any kind of quality to the same degree out of out of this this film, and, and I and I wouldn't put it on the same. I certainly level, was but... I certainly was not expecting such a smart film from Lee Wannell. Um I'm definitely gonna have to keep a closer eye on him in the future, especially anything he does outside of the Insidious slash Conjuring verse. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if y'all noticed the little Easter egg when he was going into the apartment building and he was looking at all like the names next to the like the the doorbells in the lobby. There was one that was J Wan. Oh, <laughs> See what he did there. Um, but yeah, overall, I think that's a resounding uh, recommendation from all yeah. of us. And uh, Cleveland, I I believe uh, you had a word from our sponsor this week. Yep. Sure did. Oh boy. Yeah. I, I had such a, a a good word from our sponsor and, you know, they really sat me down and made sure that I was prepared for the, the speech. They, they really did. They made sure that they gave I you knew. A good copy. They told you to stick to the script this time. God damn it. Yep. That, that was the words they said. And I sure am. Oh boy. Uh, Cause, cause this this week was was brought to you by by STEM actually the the, the robot. Good job. That STEM? Nope, no, a different one actually. It's it's an artificial intelligence designed to to make plants. Oh, it's a pun. It's a, it's a less it's a less uh, malicious company. Sure what what was the catchphrase again? I forgot. S T E M stands for. Sometimes even meat, <laughs> because the uh, the the plants grow uh, beef. beef. Oh, beef oh, plants! Beef plants. It's brought to you by beef plants. There you go. Uh, oh, artificial yeah. intelligence that grow beef plants. That's that's the that's who's who's sponsoring us this week. This week, the pod people brought to you by beef plants. Thanks, STEM. S T E M. Sometimes. What was it? <laughs> sometimes even meat sometimes what was the tea S- i think you turned it into sometimes times. oh even, even meat meats. even meats yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah of course Th- thank you for reminding me guys yeah, yeah. sometimes even meats all right 
Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I thought it was good. Well, I I don't have a Metacritic corner this week, but um, I I heard that while I was gone, y'all instituted uh, a new sometimes segment with Rotten Tomato territory. That's right. You're in Rotten Tomato territory. I'm still gonna use the same Metacritic corner music sting. Cute. <laughs> What time is it? Metacritic Corner. What time is it? Metacritic Corner. In addition to the one that Ben also made for me to yeah, put in. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I I couldn't find a single bad review on Metacritic uh, for Upgrade. Um, so I had to delve into Rotten Tomatoes instead. Um, and I found this one from user Joey Z. This was a seldom movie. It does play into the it does play into the futuristic fact humans are getting cyber enhancements, but putting him into the gameplay has been a bit of a letdown. Uh Stem only took murder fights three times in a two hour movie. The only scene that I would recommend changing is the end scene, which made zero sense. Two out of five stars. The the gameplay? <laughs> what does any of it mean? Wait, wait, what was their name again? Joey, Joey Z. Z. Yeah, just from the beginning. This was a seldom movie. What does that mean? <laughs> it does play into the futuristic fact humans are getting cyber enhancements, but putting him into the gameplay has been a bit of a letdown. What does that mean? Gameplay? I don't I don't see what he's talking gameplay? about. Gameplay? Stem only took two, only took murder fights three times in a two-hour movie. He only took murder fights three times, guys. What mm. does that mean? I don't know. He needs to take more. He needs to take more murder fights. Yet, for I how think, much... I think everyone should take more murder fights. For oh, how yeah. much this person disliked this review, or for this movie, the only scene that they would recommend changing is the end one, which made zero sense. So two like, out of five. Two out of five, yeah. Um... So yeah, this has been uh, Rotten Tomato territory. I, I, I do like I do like that the only scene he had a problem problem with is the last one, but he also had a problem that there weren't enough fight sequences throughout the film. Stem didn't take enough murder fights. Yeah, didn't. Thank, <laughs> thank you for for reminding me of his his eloquent uh, el- eloquent uh, words. Uh, no, uh, yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't work because if you if you want more sequences then you need to have, have to lo- lose, lose but the gameplay the gameplay was putting good. like the cyber enhancements were okay but putting him in the gameplay <laughs> was definitely a letdown. yeah they, they should not have put him in the game they shouldn't have put him in the gameplay that way <laughs> unless they were gonna better reveal how humans are getting cybernetic enhancements yeah which i think is through taking murder fights it's got to be through taking murder fights yeah. i but honestly the only scene that i really would recommend changing was the end one because it made zero sense oh yeah this ha- is a, it's a seldom film what can i say <laughs> no no, no. For, for for sure for sure hashtags joey z hashtag uh always more murder fights always more murder fights yeah. always always take be, more murder fights take more sorry, murder sorry. fights yeah take more murder hashtag fights. take more murder fights and this is the end of rotten tomato territory for real this time this is the end what will you learn with your actions consequences well 
that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode on Upgrade! 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 Monday, Monday, Monday! Upgrade! With Jimmy Flipflop and the Beef. <laughs> I'm the Beef, and I'm here to say... Yeah. I need, I need salt. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Oh. Um, if you like the show, uh, take. If you like the beef. If you like the show, show, show. Take a few seconds to uh, give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or a bad one. Honestly, I think that's what we really deserve. Um. I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts, five-star rating, review, all that good shit. Uh, follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod. Um, check out the Letterboxd page, letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod. All the movies we talk about, all the ratings we give, all the links to the reviews, it, everything is there. And sometimes even meets. And sometimes meats and cheeses. You can follow me on Twitter at, <laughs> at Mr. Van Awesome. And I'm at Mr. Sheets. Uh, come bully me on Twitter. Sometimes you can find me tweeting for uh, at LightArc Studios. And uh, you can always find me on my art station at uh, either Cleveland Mosher or Iron Prism. <laughs> Iron Prism. Meaty. Wow. Well, next week, we'll be back with something. It's getting to that time of year where we're playing it real fast and loose, guys. So, you'll be... Firing from the hip. We'll be just as surprised as you are. Firing from the hip. Surprise movies. Lack of planning. Planning, planning, planning. Planning, planning. Irresponsible podcast hosts. <laughs> Gross noises, noises, noises. I can hear our followers dropping out as we speak. So maybe we should stop losing, speaking. losing likes by the second. Second, 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 second. second. This has been the pod people. You know what it is. Yeah.